Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Episode number 94, the prolific writer, Sarah K.L. Wilson, stops by the show and talks about how she's dropping a book every other week. Yeah, that's right. Hey, this is Ryan from The Prolific Writer. So glad that you're here. But first, some intro music. Welcome to The Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is your Prolific Writer podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton. So glad that you are here, however you found us. The podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, often, and well in no particular order. Another great episode in the queue for you. Sarah K. L. Wilson, a fantasy author, best-selling fantasy author, has stopped by the show today. And it's going to be a great interview. She's doing some really cool stuff with writing shorter novella novels and releasing them very rapidly and having great success. So looking forward to sharing that with you. Hope your writing year is getting off to a good start 2019 whenever you are listening to this podcast. And uh, hey, maybe maybe February wasn't so great, but March is coming. March is here. And uh, I hope that uh, you are looking back and saying, hey, the past is the past, but the future is the future and uh, get more words on the page. So hopefully this podcast will help you and uh, and all that we have to offer you. Now, a couple things before we get into the interview. One, I'm excited to announce I have a new uh, novel out called L.A. Dreams. It's part of the Antique Assassin series. If you like mystery, thriller, crime, adventure type stories, uh, I got a new novel out. It's uh, the fifth book in the series of, of novels. I'll put that in the show notes. But yeah, I've been, been laboring over that, been trying to get it out. I got it back from the editors. Uh, it's all formatted, ready to go. And that's live doing a little uh, discount 99 cent ebook. Uh, promotion. So if you can pick that up for 99 cents and uh, yeah, if you're interested in that, Hey, if you're not, Hey, that's fine too. And uh, yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. And another thing I am working on a 
course. Uh, I've been mentioning this a couple times and uh, really wanted to just let you know. I, I know how the internet works as you, you see a link and then you miss it and then it's gone. Um, is I have a survey. I'm just trying to do some some research on writing and publishing and kind of what the needs are specifically for you, whether that's starting a book, finishing a book, editing, marketing. Thank you for everyone that has uh, taken the survey. Uh, but if you'd like to fill out the survey, it'd take about two minutes of your time. It'd really help me out a lot because I'm trying to make and create a course a couple different courses actually uh, to help you in your writing uh, wherever you are in that in that journey and so this survey is just a way to help do research and really hit the specific things that you're you're looking for as the best that I can and so I'll put that in the show notes as well well, hey, so thankful for you stopping by the show today. This is uh, me and Sarah K.L. Wilson chatting about her books and her process and all kind of good stuff. Well, hey, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. It's your host, Ryan J. Pelton. So glad today to have uh, Sarah K.L. Wilson uh, on the show and uh, looking forward to talking to Sarah. She's a fantasy YA author and doing some cool stuff and uh, looking forward to hearing her story and a little bit about what she's up to in writing and publishing. So why don't you say hello, Sarah, tell us a little about yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me, Ryan. Uh, I write uh, dragon books in YA, uh, epic fantasy ones, and I've been doing that for a few years now. Uh, my most popular series is the Dragon Skull series, and this year I'm writing the Dragon Chameleon series. Well, very cool. I love how you, very sp specific you are, dragons. So uh, we'll we'll talk more about that in just uh, a moment. Um, but let me ask you this, Sarah, uh, because you know we have a lot of prolific writers on the show, as you can guess. And uh, what keeps you going? I mean, you're you've written tons and tons of books. So what you know what gets you up in the morning? How do you keep keep going? I mean, how do you get through the slog? I always love hearing kind of what's your inspiration? What's your motivation? I think I might be a little bit of a story addict. <laughs> I, I just love stories. I love, um, I love those points that you get to where it kind of feels like everything comes together, almost like you're right there with the character when you're writing them. And I guess, I guess those, through the sloggy moments, that's the part I'm waiting for. For that one moment when you just feel like you're connected with that character and that story kind of comes together for you, it gets you through, I think, a lot of the more difficult writing times. Mm, I love that. So t tell us a little bit about kind of what's been your, your kind of influences growing up. I mean, were you a reading home? Were you a creative home? You know, when you talk about story and kind of ingesting story, what, what, what's been some of the kind of books, media that you really uh, has helped you kind of become what you are today? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, so I was, uh, I was homeschooled as a kid. And it, during my early high school years, my family lived so far out in the woods that we didn't see people. We saw them once a week on Sundays when we came to town for church and for groceries. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, so I did spend a lot of time reading at home. But those were the days when it was harder to get your hands on books. There weren't so many ebooks and stuff as there are today. So I read a lot of the same books over and over and over. And I remember the first time my brother brought home uh, Tolkien's trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, and he read it in three days. And then he handed them to me and I was just over the moon excited that scene when they're in the mines of Moria and the drums are going. It, it was massively uh, like, like an eye opener for me. I thought, wow, these books are amazing. And then we kind of raided the library for a lot of the fantasy books that were available at the time. So I grew up on stuff like uh, Sword of Shannara and um, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time and those sorts of books. Um, 
I also read a lot of Canadian books, <laughs> which is kind of a funny thing to say, like 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 uh, early homesteader kind of books. <laughs> it's a funny combination of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you're saying this because I've had a few guests recently too. They've they've kind of had s- similar stories where you know they lived either far out or didn't have access to you know that many libraries or books and and just really you know not a whole whole lot going on. So they just kind of dug in and and read stories. And I think that's that's you know that's a gift. I think you know as writers too is be able to share stories with people because you don't know what people are going through or where they're at or what you know. Still one of my favorite. Uh, compliments was a woman who was having surgery in a hospital and reading one of my books and she said, Hey, thanks for helping me get through a couple hours of, you know, pain and suffering. And so, you know, you kind of get lost in, in books and, uh, in stories. And that, that's the, I think one of the beauties and the benefits of, you know, storytelling, we all love stories and we all have, you know, there's so many to read and so many to, you know, absorb and whatnot. So yeah, thanks for, for sharing that with me. So, um, so Lord of the Rings, obviously that's fairly, uh, if you can get through that, you can pretty much get through anything. Um, now, are your books, you know, Lord of the Ring-ish or are they, how, how did you, when you started writing kind of fantasy, uh, how did you kind of think through that, what, what you wanted your stories to, to be? Well, like a lot of fantasy authors, I started off thinking, I'm going to create something so unique that no one else has ever done it before. <laughs> so I wrote a series like that and it, it flopped. No, no one wanted to read it. <laughs> and so at the end of that, I thought, you know, what's the point of writing books that people don't want to read? I want to write books that that really grip people that that are their favorite books. And so I dug down and I thought, okay, what's a, what is a kind of book I could write that I could love while at the same time being a book that other people might love too. And that's when I got started on the dragons okay. because dragons are something that people like. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, so is there now, again, those that are, that are listening, maybe you're, they're thinking about writing, you know, a certain kind of genre, or maybe they're thinking about fantasy. Can you kind of just give us like a, a synopsis of, you know, what are the different kinds of like fantasy? Uh, Cause I know people have different questions about that. You know, there's, you know, urban fantasy, this and that, but like, what, what, what are the different kind of subcategories, if you will, for fantasy? Well, fantasy is really neat eh? because it's changed a lot since uh, Kindle Unlimited and the the rise of the indie ebooks. Um, it used to be much narrower. Now there's a lot of things they throw under the umbrella of fantasy. So you do have that urban fantasy. And even under like the more traditional fantasy, you've got your high fantasy. That's with like your elves and your dwarves and your magic and epic fantasy. That's anything where they're trying to save the world big, massive nations clashing kind of fantasy. You've got your sword and sorcery that's um, like, like day-to-day quests and battles and fights with your main characters. Um, and there's also recently the romantic fantasy and the fantasy romance, which apparently are different, although I don't write either, so I don't know. <laughs> and uh, mine are also young adults. So that's uh, epic fantasy and young adult combined. So big, big, rolling, huge nations crash, crashing against each other wars, but at the same time from like a coming of age perspective. Okay. So when you were beginning, um, let's go back a little bit. Uh, you know, when, you know, you're reading Lord of the Rings, you're reading fantasy, you're reading, you know, um, Canadian weird books and, uh, and you know, you decided, Hey, I'm going to start, start writing. When, when, when did that begin? And kind of what were you writing? What were you trying to create? I wrote a lot of poetry in my teens and that's basically all I wrote through my teens. Um, I, I feel like I write poetry when I'm sad or angsty, which I guess makes sense in your teens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it wasn't until I was an adult that I thought, you know, I really want to write the things that I love reading. And I started writing fantasy. And I spent about mm, two years, I think, on my first novel, which is not published. It was not very good. But I I learned a lot through that. 
And then I started writing consistently. Um, the year after that, I wrote a, for three years on a trilogy. And then I, I sent requests out to agents and fell on my face and uh, gave up on that one. And a few years later, I started into the fantasy all over again. And um, the ones I started writing then are the ones I have published now. Okay. So are you now, are, are, I've looked at some of your catalog, but are all of your books YA? Yeah, they all are. Oh, okay. wait, no, I, I wrote a series uh, with John Gunningham together and those were adult books, but they are not what I'm known for. Okay. So when you write a YA fantasy specifically, what, what are you thinking about as far as, you know, the content of the book, the characters? I mean, is there a certain kind of trope or certain kind of, you know, theme that you need to hit when you think about YA as far as fantasy goes? Yeah. So so with any YA, you're looking through a really young perspective. So it's kind of more of um, a younger take on the, on the world. You're not thinking so much, you know, I'm responsible for the powers that be being in charge and, and figuring that out. It's more from a young person's perspective where they're like caught in the middle of it, trying to figure out how they adapt to society. Whereas when you become older, you're really thinking about things like, you know, I have children, what decisions should I make? Who do I vote for? That kind of thing. And so from the younger perspective, um, and the coming of age kind of fantasy, you're going to have a lot of um, people coming into their own powers for the first time or their own abilities, people responding to a mentor figure and um, understanding what they can learn from him or her. Um, and also people starting to accept responsibility for the first time for other people and for situations outside of themselves. So you get a lot of those great like quests to save the world kind of things, but in the middle of it, the, the character's kind of growing up kind of um, falling on their face and learning from that and becoming um, a hero in one way or another. Now, is there, when you think of like your main characters, is there like a certain age group that, uh, that you want to have as far as when it comes to YA or does that not matter? Or how do you, how do you kind of think through that? Yeah. And that's actually kind of an interesting question because traditionally YA is for young readers, 13 to 17, mm -hmm. but in the indie fantasy world, a lot of people are reading who are a lot older than that. So I write my books so that if you're 13 and you pick it up, your parents aren't going to be upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also, um, I'm also thinking in my head that there's a lot of people in their 60s and 70s who are going to read this too. So I try and write my books a little bit layered so that if you're 13 reading this, you're going to enjoy the adventure. But if you're like 70 reading this, you'll enjoy the layers of wisdom and of people's choices coming back to haunt them and the kind of things that you appreciate when you're a lot older. Well, I love that because I, I think today too, that there's just a blurring of lines. I think, you know, I, I really enjoy a lot of young adult and, you know, I wouldn't um, think that, you know, uh, that it would really resonate with me when I started reading young adult. But, you know, I remember C.S. Lewis saying, you know, a, a good book is a good book or a good story is a good story. So it shouldn't really matter. And, uh, you know, that's, I think that's important too. I, it, it's, you know, think of uh, what's the, I was gonna say to kill a mockingbird. That's not the one. Um, the one with the, the kids who are getting slaughtered anyway. Hunger Games. Um, yeah. Hunger Games, very different book. Um, but, uh, you know how popular that was. And obviously that wasn't just children reading that, but it was, you know, all ages. And, uh, yeah, no, I think that's really great. So, you know, coming back to the, you mentioned just the indie world and kind of, you know, uh, Kindle and, you know, accessibility as far as, you know, finding different authors and, and things like that. Um, is there any, you know, I know with fantasy traditionally, I mean, if you're reading the Lord of the Rings, it's, you know, 
hundreds of thousands of words expected. Um, is there is there some leeway? Is there some some grace, if you will, um, for writing fantasy that's not you know super long or you know hundreds of thousands of words? I mean, are people still reading it and not feeling you know shortchanged or anything like that? Yeah, well, that, that's a great question too. Um, there's a debate, of course, going on among fans and writers about that. And a lot of people are stuck with the idea that they have to be doorstopper books. Mm-hmm. And I see the merit to that because I love doorstopper books, like those mm-hmm. huge ones you throw there and your door's never going to move. But I actually write uh, 20,000 word novellas mm-hmm. and they're in serial format. So it's like a TV show. So every episode is like the, the, that week's TV show going right through until the end of the season. And surprisingly, a lot of people do seem to resonate with that too, especially in this day and age where none of us have any time. And the time you have to read is like while you're waiting on the bus for something or while you're waiting to pick up your kid from soccer or, you know, in between classes at school, if you're in high school, you can kind of squeeze one of these in for a couple hours and then just wait for the next episode at a natural stopping point. And I think that kind of resonates with a culture where we're like trying to jam in a little bit of enjoyment of reading in between a lot of other things. I think that's really interesting. Um, Yeah, that's one of the reasons I want to have you on the show is just talk a little bit more about kind of the serialization, shorter novellas. Um, And so, so talk a little bit about how did you, you know, begin when you started writing your fantasy books, were they novellas right from the beginning? Or is this kind of a new strategy or or something you're like, hey, this sounds like a good idea, this could work. Uh, Talk us through that a little bit. So um, my first trilogy, the one that didn't do very well, was full, well, full novels. And then when I was thinking through this Dragon series, I was trying to think about th- this theory that they have that Amazon will help your visibility if you produce a book every month at least. And I was sitting there thinking, I have two little kids. They are both in school now, but they weren't when I started. And I was thinking, I have these two kids. I only have so much time every day to write. What length of work would I have to be able to keep my word count to, to be able to produce one every month. And so basically the math came out to about 20K and that's what I went for. I thought, I'm just going to take a gamble and see if it works. And now I've increased it to where I can put one out every two weeks, but it took me a little while to get to that point. And it took me having my kids in school to get to that point. (laughs) So when you uh, set out to write a 20,000 word novella um, and you know, you said it's kind of like serialized TV, if you will. Uh, you know, is each book self-contained or is it kind of a cliffhanger at the end to kind of get you to the next one? Or how do you, how do you kind of think through that? I mean, do you have the whole kind of series mapped out? Uh, talk us through that a little bit. So I have an end point where I want to take the character and I have a lot of threads that I know are going to get them there. So I want to have those threads weaved into every book, but I don't have um, every step of the way plotted. I kind of hit each new novella and I think, okay, what's going to be the theme of this one? Because each one kind of has its own story in the bigger story. Like I'm writing one right now with a city under siege. So that's only going to be this story. By the time the next one comes, the city won't be under siege anymore. Okay. So if like someone picked up, you know, book seven, would they, could they still follow along or would they be lost or how how would, how would they experience that? Well, they'd be pretty lost. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, they, they would kind of have to start at the beginning. Although, I mean, if you were one of those people who can jump in the middle of a TV series, you could probably jump in the middle and find your way, but it would take a unique mind for that. Okay. And, and so do you, um, like when you get to the end, are you going to kind of like, do you package them together as like a bigger book that people can just buy it as one kind of omnibus thing? Or uh, how do you, how do you think through that? Yeah, well, actually, just this past month, I took my original Dragon series, Dragon School, and I bundled them into fives. 
because I already had hardbacks of the omnibuses in fives and I already had the audio in the omnibuses of five. So it made sense to do the eBooks like that too. So I have four omnibuses for that now that you can just grab the whole series in four volumes instead of having to go through 20. And uh, I'll probably do that with this next one too sometime after they're all complete. Now, do you have, are you writing these, you know, I'm assuming you're not writing these every two weeks. In, in other words, you know, that you probably have a few in the, in the queue, if you will. What, what's kind of your process look like, like to actually produce the books? So I do have, I'm, I'm usually about two episodes ahead, but I, I do have to write, edit and produce a book in two weeks, including cover design to stay, to stay into that production mm-hmm. schedule. And um, that, that's actually not as bad as it sounds. I do about 2,500 words a day and mm-hmm. I, I get them cranked right out. Okay. So do you have like an editor that's fairly quick um, as far as helping you clean it up and, and things? I'm ridiculously lucky because I have two hardcore fans who are my proofreader and my beta reader. And between them, they basically function like a developmental editor and like a like a copy editor and I send it out to them when it's done and they read it really quickly and have it back to me. And I I make changes in about a day or two. They're like gold. That's great. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. So they're obviously whale readers and uh, yeah, you want those on your team if you can find them. Uh, so yeah, tell, tell us a little bit kind of what's been the, the feedback as far as, you know, kind of the shorter novella, um, you know, those that are listening, thinking, you know, I, I actually, you know, maybe this is just for me. Don't tell anyone. Um, but, uh, you know, thinking about kind of shorter serialized type type work, what's kind of been the feedback as far as, you know, enjoying the books? Are they, you know, hey, you're not doing it fast enough. I mean, there's always that too. But, <laughs> you know, um, is the length okay? Is the cliffhangers okay? Like, t- talk us through that a little bit. So I am, I have mixed feedback on it. I get reviews on Amazon, one stars, and people unhappy that they're in a serialized format. And that happens for sure. And in like Facebook groups or whatever, if I post it, there's people who say I won't even try a serial. But at the same time, I have about um, three or 400 hardcore fans who love them and talk to me about them, write to me about it, say that they like this format, say that they love the story and they're invested in it. They're in my uh, Discord chat group. And um, I have also had, let's see, um, about... 5,000 people read through the entire series in KU and about 2,000 buy it all the way through. So that, you know, voting with your dollars is a way to vote to say you like something too. And I feel like that means that people are, it's connecting with them somehow. Well, great. That's, that's amazing. So, so tell us your perspective on kind of the future of serialized kind of fiction. I know there's been, you know, there's still, I mean, there's a company I think called Serial Box or something that, you know, does these, you know, very kind of HBO like, you know, uh, series, you know, you can buy in 99 cents each or whatever. Kind of what's your perspective, like the future of this? Like, is this something that, that people listening should say, Hey, you should consider this, or maybe it only works with this kind of genre, any, any kind of big, you know, not that you have to tell the future, um, but you know, just kind of what, what you've learned along the way. So I, I've heard recently how they're saying it's like the rise of a new TV age with all the streaming services and movies are not as profitable as they used to be. Now everything is in where TV is. And I feel like novellas are like that in the fiction world. I've seen some other people doing them and doing quite well at them in post-apocalyptic or in uh, space Marines and a few others doing it in YA fantasy. And they all seem to do, be doing pretty well too. I think that, unless our culture drastically shifts soon from being so busy and people with their attention split a thousand different ways, then I think they're going to continue to be pretty successful because people will enjoy this quick 
um, this quick format that works in their super busy lives, especially if it's in streaming services, whether that's Kindle Unlimited or a different streaming series, um, sorry, service. Mm -hmm. <laughs> These subscription models make them super affordable for fans on a tight budget. Mm -hmm. No, I think that, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom to that. I, you know, and I think it's just, you know, with our phones, obviously smartphones, you know, you're in the doctor's office, you're taking the kids, dropping them off, whatever, you know, just to be able to like read a story on your phone is like, I mean, for me, who's a, I mean, I'm just a crazy reader. It's such a gift that I can have a book anywhere I am, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, and then with audio and print, I mean, just you name it, right. There's all these mediums um, that's so accessible and, and affordable too, where, you know, traditionally published book an ebook can be $14, which is just crazy. Um, but, uh, so yeah, no, I think you're right. I think there is just a, a future in this and, uh, you know, exploring how to, how to do that. Now, now talk us, uh, talk a little bit about, it sounds like you do audio and print as well. Kind of what, you know, do you do those um, individual books or kind of, I think you mentioned maybe in an omnibus, you do kind of the bigger books, but, but how do you, how do you kind of uh, produce those or when do you do those, you know, print and audio versions? So I do the paperbacks for the individual episodes at the same time that I release the eBooks. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit skinny and small, but I can afford to produce them at a really low rate. So mm -hmm. you can at a reasonable rate too. And then when there's just five of them, I bundle them up into a hardback so you can get a nice hefty hardback book. If you're a huge fan and you want to reread it a lot. Um, my, my poor narrators are desperately trying to keep up on the audiobooks. Um, I have a wonderful narrator, Jagisha Patel, who is doing the Dragon School one. She's up to number 12 out of 20. I think she should be done by the end of this year. And um, Sean Reed is doing my Dragon Chameleon ones, and he's up to episode three, even though we're up to episode five for being published. So he's really trying to keep up too. <laughs> That's great. So, so give us, uh, tell us a little bit, you said, you know, having a lot of success with the eBooks. How about you, like your print and your audio? Are those, are those selling too? Or what's, what's that been as far as um, just people digesting it that, those way, that way? They, yeah, they actually are. I, I didn't expect that. I threw out the paperbacks just so I could get early reviews from readers before the eBook launches thinking, oh, no one's going to actually buy these. But I see people buying them all the time, especially around the holidays, they were buying them for kids. But a lot of people who buy them for their kids, like for kids who are 10, 11, 12, they're buying the paperbacks for them because that's easier than the eBooks. Um, and the audio too, I, I, they've done very well and I didn't expect that at all. I went in thinking it was just, you know, something extra for the hardcore fans who might really want to get an audio thing. I didn't think there'd be its, like a, its own market for those, but there really is. I was surprised by it and a, a lot delighted. That's great. Yeah. No, I, I think there's something about, you know, shifting back even to things that are just tangible. I, I read this book, you know, the revenge of analog and he was kind of arguing for, you know, people buying more paperback books and just, you know, not that we are going to get rid of our devices, but just, you know, kind of balancing that out that people actually do want something to hold in their hand. Um, I think there's something to it. And then audio is so practical, right? I mean, you're driving the car, you're working out, whatever, you can listen to books. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, so, so t tell me what services you're using um, for, for our writers that are listening as far as um, producing the print and also the audio. What, what's been helpful for you? So I've been doing the audio on ACX simply because I'm exclusive to Amazon right now. And that's a really easy platform for it. Um, my narrators have been kind enough to do a 50-50 royalty split with me. Mm -hmm. So it's as easy as click, click, click to sign them up and click, click, click to publish at the end. And I, I, I can't believe how easy that is mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for I guess for the for the print books, I've been just doing them through the KDP platform there. They moved from CreateSpace to KDP this year, and it hasn't really caused much trouble for me. 
Um, it's, it, it's been pretty simple. Now, do you, you said you do some hardbacks. Would you do hardback through KDP or do you have to do it through a different service? Oh yeah. Thanks for reminding me. I do the hardbacks through Ingram spark. Okay. And I, I've heard that's fairly, I haven't done hardback yet, but, uh, is that fairly easy to set up? I mean, once you have the files and all that. It's not bad. Although if you have a mistake, you'll have to pay to get <laughs> formatted, <laughs> which can be, I found that a little bit daunting, but I did manage to get them set up without any real hitches. And, uh, there's often promotional codes. If you just Google, Google like promotion code Ingram spark for free setup. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good to know. No, this is great. So let's, uh, dig a little further into your, your process. So obviously you're, you're a mother of, you have small children and you're producing, you know, a, a book every couple of weeks. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what is your kind of writing, you know, rhythms look like? Are you a, you know, outliner? Are you uh, just go by the seat of your pants? Are you, you know, what are you doing as far as kind of keeping those words? You said, I think 2,500 words a day. What is What does that look like to, to kind of produce the books that you're producing? So, um, I end up, I end up having to do a lot of those kind of dull mundane tasks, like, you know, the laundry and the dishes and mowing the lawn. And while I do those tasks, that's usually when I start thinking about what I have to write the next day and, and start to like visualize what the chapters are going to look like, what the characters are going to do and get my good ideas. And then whenever I can squeeze it in, I write. So I used to only be able to do it sitting down in a quiet room after my kids were in bed, but it's developed to the point where I can be watching them play outside, sitting on a bench and writing at the same time in between answering questions or whatever because I guess you just do what you have to do in these circumstances (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah um mostly I write by the seat of my pants I know where I want the series to go I know where I want each book to go when I start that book and then it's kind of just the adventure of getting there I know that I know that a lot of people say you can write faster if you outline and I think that's fantastic. But for me, I tend to feel stilted if I do that, like some of the magic is gone. I enjoy taking the adventure with the characters and I, I kind of like when possible to add some wisdom to books or add like an elevated, like an elevated element to it. Like I I read this thing. It talks about um, how fiction helps us to visualize Um, a world that's better than the one we're in and to see virtues on display. So whether that's determination or courage in a way that you might not always see in your real everyday life. And that, that in a sense almost makes fiction writers, I mean, fiction readers um, more prone to these kind of virtues. And so I often think to myself, you know, how can I elevate my work so that it can help other people to visualize a better, a better way of living. And, um, and so that's maybe the hardest part, I think, is trying to think of how to weave that in. And I don't know if I could do that with a plot. I kind of almost like an outline. I think mm-hmm. I almost have to do it in the moment as I'm writing it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that's, uh, I think Stephen King would talked about, you know, theme. And he said, you know, the, the death of a book is if you, you know, start with a theme and say, hey, this is what the book's about. Um, is really you discover the theme as you're you're writing it. And that might be kind of what I think what you're saying is, you know, these, whatever that theme, you know, like a heightened sense of, you know, courage or, you know, uh, ethics or morality, whatever it is. Um, but you have to kind of get into the story to realize, oh, that's what this is about. That's, you know, the thing that keeps, keeps popping up. Um, so, so glad to hear that you, you know, are, aren't a, uh, hardcore outliner. And I think, you know, those that are listening to, I, I, again, the debate I think is silly and, and, you know, whatever you do, if you outline or you don't, it doesn't matter. Um, is, I think it's also maybe, and and again, not to put words in your mouth, but you know, the fact that you have kind of an established story and characters in a world, it it does make it easier that you don't have to outline as much 
um, unless you're, you know, just very, very specific on where it needs to end. But, but you kind of know the characters. I think that's the fun of writing in a series. I found that too. It, it's a lot less work on the front end where you can kind of jump in and know their backstories and know who they are and how they talk and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, or you can just jump in and, Hey, if the kids are playing on the swings in the backyard, just, you know, crank out some, some words cause you kind of know who they are. Um, would you say that's, that's fair to say? Oh, that's definitely fair to say. It's so easy to write fiction when you know your characters, right? It's like, it's, it's as easy as talking to a friend and knowing what they're going to say to you next. Yeah. It, it, is that weird how, you know, even when you write a book or your first one and you really like the characters, you're, you're kind of sad when it's over, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like, like, Oh, I like these people. I like talking to them. Uh, but yeah, that's probably the little inside secret that makes writers crazy, but no one wants to talk about that. Um, but, uh, so, so, no, I, I love this, Sarah, J- just the, um, the, the ways you're, you're kind of thinking about, you know, marketing and the ways you're thinking about writing and, and, you know, obviously you're a busy person and have a family and responsibilities. I think it's always good for our audience to hear that is that this is still possible, um, even with other responsibilities. And I think once you get kind of in your groove too, you, you realize it does get easier. You know, that first novel is really hard, but then, you know, not that each book doesn't have its own challenges, but, but it gets easier. You get kind of more comfortable on how to, how to do it and produce the work that you need to produce. Um, anything, um, as far as, you know, other than just general marketing, I mean, obviously you're doing a lot of books quickly, kind of doing that as marketing, but anything that's been working for you just to kind of get the word out about your, your fantasy novels? Mm, that's a good question. Um, so I have really enjoyed starting this discord group for my readers where we sit in there and we chat and it's, it's like a chat room almost where like the conversations go away eventually. And so people are a little more comfortable, you know, opening up, not where they, they're talking about details of their lives you wouldn't want to hear, but just talking about fiction and, and enjoying fictional worlds. And I found that's really been helpful in the last few months. And also, you know, m- making friendships with readers and with other authors so that we can talk about, you know, what we love about fiction, about other people's fiction that also opens doors for readers to find mine. And I appreciate the organic sense of that because I'd really rather be a friend when possible than an advertiser. And I, I enjoy building those friendships between readers and, and other authors. No, and I think that's the gift of the kind of indie publishing world too, is that you do have that freedom to kind of engage with real live humans. I think that's been a huge blessing for me too, is just, you know, you don't feel like, I mean, most big name traditional authors, you're not going to have an email exchange with them, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and being able to actually, yeah, be like real live humans and not feel like you have to spam people or, you know, buy my book, buy my book. Um, but you get to know people. I think that's, that's wonderful. Uh, now as far as, um, just like newsletters go and, and things like that. I mean, is that just kind of, I think I even looked at your newsletter, just kind of, Hey, here's what I got going on. Obviously you have a lot of stuff coming out quite a bit. Is that, is that part of your marketing as well? So, yeah, although I'm in the middle of a huge transition, um, it, at the beginning of last year, I teamed up with three other authors and we shared a newsletter mm-hmm. and every month, um, each of us would take a different week and put up, you know, what we are doing that, that month. But, um, my, my releases come so quickly that it's almost impossible for me to fit them all in those <laughs> newsletters. So I'm, I'm branching off over the next two months on my own and, and leaving them very amicably. They're wonderful, wonderful writers. But um, yeah, starting my own newsletter just really this, this month. So it's going to be quite a, a shock, I guess, probably going from about 30,000 people in our shared newsletter to however many decide to come hang out with me. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's good. No, and I think that's, you know, you've, you shared too, just the different strategies. I mean, you know, 
partnering up with other people is just a great way to do that. It's like, Hey, if they, maybe they write the same kind of books you write and uh, you know, sharing the love. I think that's the, again, another, another benefit of the indie community is they're so willing to share. Most people are um, and very willing to help you wherever you are. No, that's great. Uh, so Sarah, one question I'd love to ask our writers, our prolific writers is, you know, to share some kind of writerly truth with our audience. So if you were to think about, you know, one or two or three kind of writer truths people should be thinking about if they're maybe starting their first book or just getting going, you know, what are things they should think about when it comes to writing? So there's a few things that I sometimes think about. The first one is that um, old illustration about making pots, about how you have like the two guys making clay pots and you tell one to make the most perfect one he can in an hour. And the other one, you tell him to make as many as he can until he makes a great pot. And uh, supposedly in this urban legend, the guy who makes a ton of pots ends up with the better pot in the end than the guy who strains and and forces himself to make that one perfect pot. And so I think a lot about the perfect pot metaphor when I'm cranking out stories thinking maybe, you know, after all this experience, they might end up better than even the painstaking work of trying to improve just one. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that's helpful to people who are are trying and trying and throwing stuff against the wall. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. And then another one I get from Sean Coyne over at the story grid, who I think is just a a genius at analyzing stories. And he says that, um, that, authors should think of themselves as like blue collar workers. You put in the work and then you expect that the muse will show up instead of waiting around for this magical muse to show up and working then. And I found that to be so true that, you know, I might sit down thinking, I don't even know what I want to write today. It's not coming. I don't like it. But when you put in the work, then suddenly a moment of magic might show up. Well, that's, that's wonderful. No, it is. That's kind of what we, we preach around here too, is, you know, we don't believe in muses. They, the muse will sometimes show up and sometimes not, but we don't wait, you know, we put on our hard hat and we get to work. Uh, no, I, I love that, that, that imagery of the, the urban legend. You know, I was thinking about Ray Bradbury years ago said, you know, write a short story every week, you know, for 52 weeks and I'm, you're guaranteed to have at least one good one. And, uh, you know, that, that was kind of his philosophy. He's like, yeah, you just got to keep writing, keep reading, keep writing. And yeah, you'll, you'll get a good one and they can all be stinkers. So, um, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's the thing. Like writers think that's, you know, practicing is okay. Like you should, we should be encouraging it. I mean, you'd never tell a, you know, pianist or a professional athlete to stop practicing. You just keep, keep working at it and you know, you'll get better and better. Um, well, Sarah, before we go, um, I know you have a lot of books coming out. So tell us kind of what you have coming out next and where people can find you. Well, you guys can find me at www.sarahklwilson.com. Those are my middle initials, K and L. Um, and I am finishing up my dragon chameleon series through the summer. It should be done around September. I'm thinking, um, those are the serialized novellas that are going on right now with dragons. And I'm also starting a brand new novel series that should be starting to come out in the summer. Uh, summer night is the first of those books. So thank you for your interest. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, go check out Sarah's books and, uh, Hey Sarah, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. You helped a lot of writers today and uh, all the best of luck. Thank you, Ryan. Well, there you have it. Prolific writer nation fantasy author, Sarah KL Wilson, go check out her books. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on the show. Uh, love her journey, her tenacity, uh, love the create 
creative outside the box thinking that there is more ways to market books. There's more ways to write books and, uh, and she's getting after it. And so thank you, Sarah, for coming on the show. Hopefully uh, there's some takeaways for you. I know there's many for, for me too. It's just to think, you know, what are some ways, some creative ways that we can, can release books and write books that it's not just one way to, as they say, skin a cat. Um, so hopefully you're inspired by that, helped by that. Apply it to your own writing, uh, wherever you are in your journey. Hey, I mentioned early in the show a couple things. One is if you could take that survey, I'm doing a little research on writing and publishing. It really helped me as I'm kind of building out a course that will hopefully serve many people and serve them well. And uh, I'll put that in the show notes. And also, as always, if you'd like to re- leave a rating or review on iTunes, it really helps us get the show out into the world. And uh, we have some uh, just a, a great community forming here and I'd uh, love to just share uh, what's going on here and, and be able to help more writers and uh, get their work out in the world and published and all that good stuff. And, uh, and then lastly, also, if you'd like to support this show and the other 21 shows on the Project Entertainment Network, you can check out our Patreon page and get some uh, free stuff and some cool stuff, uh, books and autographs and all kind of fun stuff uh, help you in your writing. And uh, hopefully you'll be encouraged by that. There's about 21 other shows, so check out those shows as well. I'll put that in the show notes as well. So, hey, thank you. This is Ryan J. Pelton for... Uh, this is Ryan J. Bell, I should say, uh, from the prolific writer. So glad that you stopped by today. And I just have one more thing before we go. Get more words on the page. And I'll talk to you real, real soon. Every person's story has something to teach us. How others view life. How obstacles are overcome. How joy is felt. How fears are faced. How love is expressed. The Matters of Faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives and how faith plays a part. It may not be your story, but it may help shape yours. The Matters of Faith podcast with Jay Wilburn is on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.